0: Hello and welcome to the Landmark Theaters Q&A podcast. Today we'll hear a conversation with legendary musician David Crosby, producer Cameron Crowe, and director A.J. Eaton about the documentary, David Crosby, Remember My Name. This conversation was recorded at the Landmark in Los Angeles on the film's opening night.
1: Hey there, everybody. Everybody, thanks for sticking around. Um, we got a couple guests here. If I can just bring them out, we've got uh, A.J. Eaton, director; Cameron Crow, producer; and uh, Mr. David Crosby.
0: Wow. Elisa's here. We'll have to make sure
2: Damn. Thanks so awesome. for coming, you guys. Yikes. Woo! <laughs> <Yikes. laughs> wow. I feel like I need a bass and drums. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Let's get this car- concert started. Crowd. It's a hot crowd.
1: a hot crowd. Thank you all for coming. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> thank you all so much. Thank you. So, uh, so I just wanted to start things off here. You know, I, I feel uh, kind of inadequate up here. I'm up here with David Crosby. With the greatest interviewer of David Crosby, and with <laughs> the greatest <laughs> film chronicler of David Crosby, <laughs> so it's like, wh- what do I have to, to add here? I'm a
0: clerical error <laughs> here,
1: but so I wanted to start off with uh, with David. You know, these two guys have spent, you know, in some cases decades, and in, in other cases, you know, months and months and years, probably, really, just relentlessly examining you and cross-examining you and just digging into every single corner of your life. So to turn it around a little bit, what do you think of these guys? I mean, like,
2: <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's two more documentaries right there. So this is a good uh, Q&A now. I've known Cameron since he was 16. <laughs> and uh, and I've known AJ for a couple of years now. I, I I work with his brother. His brother's a really terrific musician. And uh, we've gotten to be friends, and we like a lot of the same things in music. And we've, I know him pretty well. And... Uh, At least enough to where I trusted them both. You understand, it wasn't as if we were at odds about what we wanted to do. We uh, completely agreed about the approach to this thing. Uh, Most documentaries are uh, shine jobs. They're just, uh, they're bullshit. They're (laughs) about as deep as a birdbath and they don't tell you. If I'm going to see a documentary about you, I want to know what matters to you. I want to know what's in your head. I want to know what you're afraid of. I want to know who you love. That stuff matters to me. Okay, That's what I want to know. And these guys, that that's the level that we wanted to do it at. That's the only level they're interested in. Uh, so th- what you see is, is the result. But I knew I could trust them going in.
1: Well, to to get back into to when you kind of really started to feel that, I mean, I know this if if you wanted to tell them a little bit, AJ, this obviously started off as a, a short film, you know, just shooting footage, and then Cameron comes in. If you could just let us know exactly how that developed into what we what we just saw.
0: Yeah, I, I met David when he was sixty nine years old, and he was working on uh, an album called Cross, which was his first solo album in twenty years, and uh, my brother Marcus is this great guitarist and they hit it off and my brother invited me to come check out what they were doing and I was just totally blown away with this fresh new luscious music that they were that David was working on I was totally surprised and when we became friends because we connected because we were geeking out over jazz music (laughs) uh, I realized like this David's his mind's still with his memories working grace and it's just it's still there, and the wind, the window of an of opportunity is open for us, to to possibly make a movie. So I somehow convinced him to let me shoot some footage. And the minute that I started focusing cameras on him, I realized, yeah, this is he's a, he's an amazing rock on tour. And then after a couple of years of nearly going broke and having some really bad Hollywood yeah. meetings, <laughs> we won't go there. Uh, I serendipi- de- serendipitously met. Cameron, the, the the rock and roll music <laughs> oracle, <laughs> and uh, Jill Mazursky, our our executive producer, advocated on my behalf, and he agreed to meet with me. And then the rest was kind of history. He offered, he was busy doing roadies, and I'll let you kind of take it
3: from there, Cameron. <laughs> uh, I saw two guys that were just ready to to make a great film, and he was ready to talk, and he trusted AJ like he had trusted me when I was. Uh, a young journalist, and I first met him, and he said, you know, you really want to write about this? Very similar to the way he is now. You really want to see what it's like? Okay, come see the circus. I'm going to pull the curtain for you a little bit. <laughs> You're going to see some stuff, but come uh, come to the next city. Now come to the next city, and, and this is the way he was. I didn't have a big assignment. He just had an instinct that I could be like him, kind of a journalist, and I think he's very much of a journalist and a t- storyteller, and w- when he sees somebody like AJ, uh, uh, he sees somebody that that can be a messenger of truth. And so these guys were ready to go there. It took me a little bit to clear some of our other stuff that we were working on away. It started out with me just wanting to just give them interviews because I have so much fun interviewing him. But as I became more involved and the interviews got deeper and deeper, you know, I just had to stay with it. And we spent a lot of time in the editing room just bringing the emotion to all the details that he gave us in these interviews. So that there's not a lot of talking heads. There's yeah. not a lot of people telling you how to feel. There's this man answering your questions in a super raw way, and then it's up to us to create a story that makes you really know him from the inside out, viscerally, with music and cinema and cuts and editing from Elisa and Veronica our and uh, our
0: editors are here tonight. And working Elisa. with these
3: guys became like the best editing experience I've ever been involved in because it was not a part of the studio experience. It was basically us outside the studio experience, following our hearts and making a very personal, intimate movie. It was great. So much fun.
1: We had a lot of fun. David, where does this transparency and this trust come from? I mean, were there any moments where you thought, you know, it might not be the smartest thing to be saying this to these guys on camera or with a tape recorder? I mean, what, what, what allows you to be open like that?
2: I've lived the last 50 years uh, in public, pretty much. It's not comfortable, it's not, not comfy being naked in public. Because uh, you make mistakes, you do dumb shit, everybody's looking. Uh, and so I'm kind of used to it. It's been pretty uncomfortable, most of the time. Um, but, how this started was, Aj was looking at what was going on around me, and uh, I'm supposed. look, I'm 77 years old, I'm supposed to be-, my wife and I are supposed to be rocking off into the <laughs> sunset, it's been so good to know you, and uh, <coughs> instead I made four records in four years, good ones. <laughs> That's an aberration. That is not how it normally goes. Everybody that encounters it says, no, that's kind of weird. It has a a lot to do with how lucky I am. I'm insanely fucking lucky. (laughs) I keep, excuse me, there's no kids here, right? I think it goes. It's rated R. Kind of a potty mouth. Uh, (laughs) I'm hugely lucky in, in the people that I've gotten to work with. You know that. You know them. The, the latest two batches you're learning about now, but the music's just been good, and I can't not do it if it's gonna, songs are going to come. I have to serve the song. That's my job. And uh, so they're looking at it, and they're saying, you know, all right, yeah, it's kind of unusual. Uh, it doesn't, we don't see it anywhere else, and it is peculiar, and, and yes, the quality of the music's very good. And so, that's fascinating to AHA, and when he involves Cameron, you know... Once they start doing it, and you gotta stand, they're my buddies, kind of, until they become filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, everything shifts.
0: At we have point, to serve the movie, like you serve the it, song.
2: They become utterly merciless. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and brilliant, and m- they were smarter than me in the first place. Uh, so there wasn't any room to hide. I don't think we had any choice but to do it this way. But I'm really happy about it. Did, let me ask you one question, if you're asking me a question.
0: This is a Q&A. I like Did this. Yeah.
2: Well, it matters to us. It's their life's work. It's also something that's crucially important to me. Did you like it?
3: This is this is, this is a good audience. Thank we you. L- we love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask him a question on you? <coughs> excuse me, on your time, Andrew. Please, I please. Can't stop interviewing this guy. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> see, what see the floor. was it like in the '80s when you read a poll saying you've been voted rock star most likely to not last the decade? Mm.
2: <laughs> Whoa.
3: Well, I asked this of a guy who's probably the youngest person I know. No, I remember that.
2: <laughs> I re- no, no, I remember that. I remember when Spin Magazine said it was going to die next week. Uh, okay, they had a f- reason. Does I it ruin your day? Yeah, hell yes. <laughs> Look, I, I already felt terrible about myself. I was a junkie. It doesn't get any stupider than that. Junkies are about one quarter inch this side of dead. There's no good thing about it. There's nothing, it's a shameful thing to do yourself. So I, I didn't really, I didn't really, you know.
3: Did you believe it?
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. Is it too late to uh, add a little more to the phone? <laughs> <Lisa,
0: laughs> can we still open up the cut, Veronica? No, can
3: it's the, <laughs> this level of uh, honesty you never get very on often.
1: But did that help Thanks. later on? I mean, just, just having that experience of saying that, I mean, was that... Uh, was that it breakthrough in anyway? It
2: also helped that, that I went to those 12-step meetings, for sure. Because they teach you that exact process. You know, I don't know if you agree with everything that goes on there, but that particular thing is absolutely right. It's catharsis. It's a known thing, and they, they've done it for centuries. If you look at your achievement or your mistake or your piece of relationship that you are concerned with, if you look at a mistake, you have to take it out and put it in the bright and light and really look at it honestly, because then the only useful thing that can happen there is is learning from it, right? And that can't happen until you look. Can't happen until you look honestly. But then you can learn from the damn thing, and then you can set it the fuck down and move on. You can't carry baggage in life and keep really trucking. And and you you need to look at it. You can't set it down until you do. But that's stuff they teach in the 12-step meetings. And, and it works. And it helped a lot with this.
1: Was this film purgative in a similar
0: yeah, way? Yeah, cathartic,
2: you? no question. Yeah.
0: Cross wrote a song called Set That Baggage Down on the Cross album.
2: <laughs>
0: that's there you go.
1: So w- when you're doing the Cross album, though, I mean you, you hadn't done a, a proper solo album in quite some time. What was the, the spark that, that got that going? Where you've since done what is it four albums in pretty rapid succession? CSN so was friends
2: stale. Right. Wasn't fun. We weren't friends. I didn't feel like I could take a song there. Probably the last ten years we were together. I was working for a paycheck. And that's that's why I had to leave. Uh, I can't I can't really do that. It would have made it so I don't love music anymore. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, when we started out, I loved those guys. I loved that music. I was fully, totally excited by it. And I know we did good work. But it's like I said in the movie, when it turns to just doing it by rote for a paycheck, uh, that's, that's not it. There's no growth there. And uh, very hard <laughs> circumstance. Very hard thing to do. I, I don't hate those guys, but I'm glad I did it.
1: You know, I mean, so much of this movie is about loss and about whether it, it's death or a breakup of a band, of a relationship, of a period of your life, and the fact that it, it, it rarely ends neatly and, and, and cleanly. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious, because I mean, you're, you're, you're asked in virtually every interview I've ever read with you what the future of CSN is, CSNY is. Why can't people, as you kind of say here, let CSN die a dignified death. I mean, it, c- it can't just be love it. Right. But it can't just be that they want to hear wooden ships again. It's like there's something else that they're like it's there's that need. It's associated
2: with a period of time when people felt hopeful, mm-hmm. which they fucking don't now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> these are dark times. This is not a good time in the United States of America, which I love, okay, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's not a good time here. And it is for anybody that can read or think, <laughs> this is not a good time. Uh, and I think that's one of the main reasons I want to make the music. You know that James Taylor song, "Shed a Little Light." It, It's—I I will say that's the—that's the most consistent complaint about CSNY that I get all the time. I've probably got <laughs> ten of them on my phone right now that I haven't read. Uh, they say, you know, will you cut it? The OUT AND GET YOUR ACT TOGETHER AND DO YOUR JOB. WE NEED YOU TO BE SINGING. WE NEED OUR VOICE OUT THERE. BECAUSE OF OHIO. YOU KNOW. AND YEAH, OKAY. WE WERE GOOD AT IT. AND I GRANT YOU that's, THAT'S A FAIR, FAIR THING. I CAN'T MAKE ANYBODY ELSE DO ANYTHING, MAN. I'VE GOT A CERTAIN AMOUNT OF TIME HERE. AND i GOT ONE WAY TO WORK. AND IT'S THE ONLY CONTRIBUTION I CAN MAKE. AND I'M GONNA BE DOING IT EVERY DAY.
1: Not to switch gears too abruptly here, but, but some of the most beautiful footage and sequences of this film are are you on your boat. And w- I, I'm curious, where did th- this footage come from? How did this
2: My friend Bobby Hammer, he was sailing with me uh, to uh, Hawaii from Mexico, about 3,000 miles. And uh, he shot a lot of footage. Uh, m- m- a lot of it we can't use because there's all these naked girls in it. <laughs> um, Guys. <laughs> <laughs> and oh guys. yeah, and that one naked guy told yeah. them not yeah. to do that. I said, you can't put my naked ass in your movie. <laughs> and they said, sure, Dave, no problem. You, know it's you notice cool? it was in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I did not have final cut. I didn't even have final phone call. <laughs> I didn't have nothing, I had no say at all. Every time I said, no, no, you can't do it that way. Sure, Dave, no problem. Right. And they laugh, go so back in the editing bagel.
0: <laughs> 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 it's a great story about that footage, though, because Bobby Hammer, who is a cinematographer, shot movies with Alan Davio, who shot E.T. Uh, they had a, have had a gentleman's agreement that that footage couldn't go out because of what he just told you about. There's some nudity and, and all that. And I asked Croz, I said, could you please put me in touch with Bobby? And finally, Bobby called me one day, This I got this phone call from Monterey and he's like AJ it's Bobby Hammer <laughs> Krause called me he says that I should you're the guy that should have the footage and so we have this awesome associate producer Gabe we rented him a car it was like the Indianapolis 500 up to Monterey <laughs> and in the in Bobby Hammer's garage and Bobby's like what how old is he Cross really old
3: yeah <laughs>
0: There's a lot of stuff stored in this garage okay <laughs> And uh, if you know anything about film, you don't store film in your garage. It's supposed to be stored in a cool, dry place. And uh, so Gabe is pulling out these boxes, and they're getting these tins of footage or whatever. And finally, there's like one manila envelope that says the box. (laughs) And that's our film. That's the, the most valuable. And so... We did this like forensic photo cam technicolor transfer. And if that would have li- left been left in that garage another two weeks, it wouldn't have been playable.
2: It's it, it's such valuable stuff, because it was an absolute high point in my life. And it it was like a touchstone, that boat. Uh, Hollywood's a trick, you know. It they It's a place where everybody thinks the world rotates around Hollywood, and it doesn't. And if you get out in the ocean, away from all of this and away from star bullshit and celebrity bullshit and all the other kinds of fame bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And outward, there's none of that. The ocean doesn't know who you are or give a fuck. (laughs) Couldn't care less. And it's utterly beautiful. And that we caught it, that we had the footage, and you could see it, you can feel it. You can feel that boat dance under you. It's really precious. Uh, Because it's a deep part of of who I am. I've been a sailor since I was 11. I love the ocean.
3: It was called the Mayan.
2: Yeah, it was called the Mayan.
3: That footage is is magic. And, And it's so, it's like it was filmed yesterday. But it so obviously wasn't, and it's Mm -hmm. rich, and uh, feels right though. It feels so good, and when we started putting it together with the music, and particularly that sequence when when we're playing Lee Shore, and you're you're going under the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's just a look of pure ecstasy, and you feel the time, and you feel everything. And I went home last night, and I saw this this featurette where Elvis Mitchell was interviewing people on the Quentin Tarantino movie, and they were just talking about how lovingly and carefully they tried to recreate the 60s and to get captured (coughs) on i'm thinking dude just go to bobby hammer's garage (laughs) (laughs) get the shit there yeah (laughs) that's (laughs) it (laughs) (laughs) you'll get the 60s real fast and
0: and there's also thousands of photographs that came from bobby hammer too those slides of christine and all of
1: that that's all
3: it was uh, a real breakthrough for us
1: so, you know, I want to get some of your questions in a minute, but y- I mean, I think one of the things that makes the film work so well, and like huge credit to the way it's edited, especially, is that you have time yeah. for. They did a brilliant like job. Yeah, 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 you did do a brilliant yeah, yeah. job. You know, you did. But you have time for moments like that because you don't go through the entire soup to nuts history of the birds, and you don't yeah. have every, you don't have everything chronologically. You, you allow it to breathe in places it needs to breathe, and you allow things to be cut. So. I mean, what were the hardest things to leave out, and, and what was just the, kind of the, the guiding principle as you were trying to put this together? Well, David's lived an epic
0: life. He's lived two epic lives, maybe, maybe three, three yeah. 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 And so, 10 <laughs> <Jen> says at <laughs> our editor. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when, we, when you
2: start to task, I mean, it's a Herculean task we left out a lot of stuff yeah. you know there's no stuff about m- the time that i spent in prison there's no time stuff yeah, real, I mean the tiny bit there's no time we we left the the liver transplant out i was <laughs> supposed to be dead 20 years ago i'm really off schedule
0: <laughs> <laughs> well anyways we had we had <laughs> this task which it's you can see is complicated. Uh, what a silly thing to say.
2: These are completely unique
3: conversations them. to this project. It's there, we, when I say my mouth
2: just like runs off by itself, that's it. Where are we going to put Your the liver
3: transplant? Yeah. I think it's probably unique to this movie yeah. that that <laughs> phrase was said yeah. a lot, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. <laughs> it's such a rich kind of experience to dig through all this stuff. And the great thing is he really doesn't spend that much time talking about the past. So once he, opens think about it. Once, he o- once he opens the doors to talk about it, sorry to mention the doors. <laughs> 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 once he opens the doors, it's uh, <laughs> he goes there. But it's not like he stands on the corner and reminisces about Des Moines in 81 or something. It's like he doesn't do that. He is the classic Truffaut guy that's like, I don't look back until I'm rocketing forwards. I don't that see was why I sh- our structure
2: I don't see why I should I, I, I but it is my nature I spend all I mean I'm thinking about what I got to do tomorrow and what I'm supposed to do the day after tomorrow and what I would like to do next week and I'm really thinking about what it, my plan is for next year but truthfully <coughs> I haven't listened to a CSNY record in 10 years I haven't listened to a, a bird's record in probably 20 and they're good records. I'm proud of them. I just don't think about all that stuff. I because I got tomorrow coming. And there's a, and tomorrow's got a ton of stuff in it <laughs> and a lot of music. And it seems to me that's my natural bent, I guess. I don't know.
1: You know, you, you you've talked a couple times about a tendency to shoot off your mouth and <laughs> You're also a, a prolific user of Twitter, we're gonna be friends. of Twitter, of <laughs> Twitter, which is like the one place you're most likely to get in trouble for shooting off your mouth, right? Do you, yeah. s- do you see a, a risk here, or
0: is this <laughs> feeling <laughs> is yeah, there's a lot of
2: I do get in trouble on Twitter. Oh, OK, OK. Good, good. Uh, the I, David Crosby on Twitter Oh, following. man, are you it's kidding? Enjoyable. OK. Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> OK, can he, he goes Uh-oh. on stage at Glastonbury. He tries to do Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. He can't sing his way out of a Kleenex box. (laughs) He's a lousy singer. He's lousy. Freddie Mercury, he queers a $3 bill. He can sing his ass off. Ass off. The man could really sing. Kanye does this abysmal version of it. (laughs) Terrible. Out of tune, wrong, bad, misread, every. Wrong every kind of way. Gets off stage and says, I'm the greatest living rock star. <laughs> well, it pissed me off. So I get on Twitter and I say, would somebody please drive him by Stevie Wonder's house so he knows what the greatest living rock star looks like? And on the way, would you buy him Ray Charles' record collection so he can learn how to fucking sing? <laughs> and I got in a lot of trouble. I did get in a lot of trouble. A lot of people were very angry with me. They said, I, I have a lot of fun there, and it's mostly because people are fascinating. (laughs) They are. You know, that, they, and it's been, (laughs) I started out just doing it to try and help, you know, sell tickets and sell records. Because things are hard since streaming. Uh, but it's, uh, it's turned into a real, a fascinating place. (laughs) You know, I, I love it. And I've also found people there. I've discovered new talent there. Because they they know they don't listen to their dad's record or their brother their brother's new band or this song that they this quote song that they think they just wrote. <laughs> I've run into you know it's one in a hundred, but I've have run into immensely talented beginners there. It, that's fun.
1: I'd love to take some of your questions. If anyone has any really burning questions, yes, ma'am, you in the. <laughs> Thank okay. you
2: so much. I am just blown
3: away. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, all of you. But this is to David. I felt that it's, it was such a gr- Thank you for opening your heart up in your life, but I felt this was like a living amends, like you were making amends or something in some ways about... I don't know. There was something very heartfelt. And not that you were saying you're sorry, but that you get it. Somehow. And when you, at the end, you said something about, you maybe this is a secret master plan.
2: No, that was a joke. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, like, I would love that something beautiful, magical comes out of this film. that.
2: I would, too. And I, and I, and I did make amends. I did spend 14 years in the program. And, uh, and, uh, and I did learn about uh, some stuff there. And that's one of them. And I have gone back, particularly to the women that I, I went with, who were good people. And these were not overnight things. These were years-long relationships. Uh, and they were good people. And I, I don't think that I did right by them. So yeah, I have gone back to make amends. This film is not really an amends. It's an attempt... It started out as an attempt just to talk about this really strange thing of, of this burst of energy that's come upon me. And I don't understand it myself, and I can't explain it to you. But it's there. It went deeper because of these guys, because they were interested and because they're not surfacey kind of guys, and because they knew there was more stuff there. It went deeper than any of us meant it to go. What would you have us done? Oh, we couldn't ignore it if it was there.
3: You set the theme in the first interview when you said, what are you going to do with the time you have left? Time is the final currency.
2: The first interview,
3: and you immediately set our course when you said that. I think it's an
2: absolutely right thing. Look, the quality of of your life, if you're as old as me, you know you're gonna die. It's not, there's not any question about it, you're all gonna die. We do that. That's what human beings do. (laughs) If you have 10 years or if you have two weeks, that's not the most significant part about it. It's what do you do with that 10 years or those two weeks. That's where it gets important that's where the mur- the rubber meets the road. That's where the real deal is. And uh, it matters to me, man. I wasted a lot of my damn life. Every minute matters to me now. I spent a long time not liking who I was. Every bit of who I uh, every action I take now has to be seen through that lens. I cannot let myself be like that. I have to be worth a shit. I have to make a contribution. And uh, and this d- helped me look at it. It helps if you look. It's not comfortable. I didn't say it was. I said it's worth it.
0: You know what I think is interesting? Is that we when we go into the uh, If I can Remember My Name section and Bobby, or, uh, Stephen Barncard says he walked in with no plan at all. And then <laughs> at the end of the movie, he's like, maybe it was a clever plan. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it wasn't a clever plan. I have never really had a clever plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I think we have time for one more. If someone has uh, a. So, love when
3: you say love is the yeah, best thing we really do. Really? I think that's a yes, cool thing. Yes, <laughs> sir.
1: Just thank you for making this film, all of you. Thank um, you. I guess if there's a question there, was anything off limits?
2: <laughs> no. We, we knew that going in they wouldn't have accepted it if I'd set them and I wouldn't set them if they uh, if they'd wanted to I, uh, it's not what we do uh, you know it's most assuredly not what they do they're filmmakers and they want to make you feel stuff and their job is to sequence a bunch of images and music and ideas and thoughts and, and language and expressions and gestures and stuff in a way that makes you feel something and I think they did it I think he' did a you. great job <laughs> thank you I, th- I think it's
3: I think it's important yeah for sure <laughs> I think it's important that that not just we make you feel something but we make you feel something the way that David Crosby makes you feel so it's not really you us you confused <laughs> confused soulful you know it's but if you If you've ever fallen in love with his music, it takes you to a very specific place. It's a rich place. It's a banquet of feelings. It's all kinds of great things. But it's a specific place. And I always thought and we always talked about this, is that, you know, even through all the the chapters of his life, our goal was to give you the feeling of a great David Crosby song.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And that's what I get from it. And, he, and it ends with the new song that he's written for us called Glory, that to me is as good as anything he's ever done. I you agree. You, man. So that's how we wrapped it up in a way where we didn't wrap it up, because there's still a lot more life there. <laughs>
2: I'm holding firmly. <laughs> I have to say. Yeah.
1: Speaking of wrapping it up, I think that's all we have time for, but thank you so much for being here. And if, uh, Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen.